What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I'm going to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 50.4. And we are continuing our playthrough of The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, and tonight I have with me my co-host, Matt. Hello. And yeah, um, it's been a little while. Um, uh, we did intermission two weeks ago. Uh, last week we were planning on recording, but unfortunately my job kind of got in the way of that. So, well, we're back this time. We got a lot to cover. Um, uh, and I don't know. I like, that's the thing is I can't remember <laughs> half the stuff that happened. I mean, that, that, that sort of fits well with this game though, because not much happens that matters. Oh, I mean, less so in in these in these chapters. I mean, the the ratio of stuff that matters to garbage is a little bit better. But I mean, come on, we how how much time did he still spend out there on highways doing nonsense? True, lighting l- lighting the lights that that keep away the monster, which clearly don't work. Yeah. All these highways are getting infested. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the last, uh, the last thing we talked about uh, on the, the last episode was um, uh, the class was traveling to Laura's hometown um, uh, with Laura in tow. Um, and when we get there, we meet up with her, her homestead, her butler who supposedly is like really, really strong. So strong. In fact, that he is actually helping train the swordsman's, uh, that her father has, uh, at his school or his swordsman school. Uh, we do meet with her father who is like one of the, the great blade masters. In fact, he is called the radiant blade master. Um, a very earnest man who loves his daughter. Um, but, um, on top of all that, I think they have a a pretty big scene where Reen wants to duel her father because he feels like he has something to prove to himself. Um, and we get a little bit more about Reen's backstory saying that he, um, basically we keep getting flashbacks whenever he was a kid and how he was trying to protect his sister. Um, and that's where he first realized he had this feral ability inside of him that he's been trying to suppress this entire time. Um, and, uh, Laura's father basically tells him like, you don't need to suppress that. Yeah. The the father challenged him, right? To try and pull it out of him. Uh, yeah. Like he, he kind of wanted him to to get him pissed off so he would kind of break out of that shell and release whatever is inside of him. Incredible Hulk. Kinda. And um he he shows off his power. Still not powerful enough to beat Laura's father though. He's he apparently is one of the strongest men in the world. <laughs> Yeah, there's a pretty good hierarchy here. Like, no matter how good Reen and his friends are, even like 
packs of them can't beat Sarah. Or like after Reen changes, he still can't beat Laura's father. There's, it's very much like this is the best person and they're going to beat anyone else. Right. Um, yeah, that, that is kind of weird how they do that. Um, but we, uh, we eventually do get to, uh, to fight Sarah and actually beat her. But that, that comes up a little bit later. Um, since we have like an entire chapter and a half to talk about, I'm going to be skimming some of this stuff. Um, we do some tasks for Laura's father, uh, for the field study. Uh, and then, um, at night, um, there's these two kids who go off to this castle that has been kind of, um, it's, it, it's been basically banished from, uh, Laura's hometown. Uh, somebody used to live there. It was the, um, it's been around since like the middle ages, since the, like the dark ages, basically. Um, and, uh, there's, there's people who kind of take care of it and mend it, but they don't, that they don't let anybody go over there. Um, and, uh, it had something to do with, um, God, what was that woman's name? It was the woman who helped fight in the great war that took place. Um, uh, I think she used to live there a long time ago. Um, but pro- the problem is, is that at night, these kids go off to that castle and go inside and we're like, oh shit, we got to go get them because it might be dangerous over there. So we decided to go over there um, and like spirits and some type of weird magical entities are there. Um, and it freaks a lot of people out, uh, except for Emma, because Emma seems to know exactly what's going on. She is the mystical one. She is, and that kind of comes through a little bit more because she's being able to identify these magical things that nobody else knows what the hell they are. Um, but she still just never comes out and says like, what is up with her? Like what's her backstory? Um, there is a small little, uh, comment made where it, it seems like she's from like, I think somebody asks if she knows a lot about the clergy or something like that. And she said, I'm kind of the opposite, which makes me think she's, a secret witch that she she doesn't want anybody to know that she's some type of magical witch or um, kind of like how like, in, in Dragon Age the apostates like mm-hmm. you know maybe witchcraft is kind of shunned in this world and she doesn't want anybody knowing that she has these abilities uh, but anyway we go through this whole area uh, we find the kids, uh, and then we are basically, I, I, I remember the boss fight and it looked like the grim fucking reaper. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's named Nosferatu. Um, and, uh, this boss fight, I, I mean, apparently I was not prepared for it at all because I died like four or five times and each time I weakened the enemies and retried. And I was to the point where like I don't give a fuck, just just weaken them until I hit them once and they die. I don't care. Um, but um, we're actually getting cornered 
uh, after we beat that boss, something bad happens. We kind of trigger like a trap or something like that. And um, out of nowhere, a uh, a gigantic lance or um, not a lance, um, a spear comes flying through the air and crashes into that trap that we set off. And it saves us. And Rena looks up and he sees what looks like that woman from the Middle Ages that used to live there. Um, and then, um, after that's when the seal breaks and we can leave the area again. Uh, and then we see the cat that has been following us around and watching over Reen and class seven, the one that Emma has been talking to. Yeah. Um, it finally talks, but it doesn't talk to us. It talks to itself. And it's weird because it keeps referring to Reen and basically saying that, it's time to awaken him or whatever. So there's a lot of mystery involved there. Uh, and we know that that cat probably has something to do with the old schoolhouse that keeps changing constantly. But anyway, um, after all that, uh, we are then tasked with going to uh, another location. Um, and when we go to this other location, when we have to like travel there, it's not like anywhere close to Laura's hometown. Uh, and this is on the, uh, the mountainside where, um, everybody remembers talking about those gigantic guns that have been pointing at Crossbell, the, uh, the neighboring country. Um, we're going there. Uh, Gorilla Fortress, right? Yeah, that's it. You're um. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, you, Matt. Uh, it sounds like your 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 internet may be slow or something. You're you're a little robotic sounding. Just want to let you know that. Mm. Um. But um. Yeah, we go to the fortress because for a few reasons. Um, and this is all um being done by Sarah. She wants us to see exactly what a full military outfit looks like because we've never really been exposed to something along the lines of war. Um, so they take us there to show off basically the fourth armored division, which if anybody remembers is led by Elliot's dad. Um, and we get, we get a little scene with Elliot um, and his dad, his dad absolutely loves his son. Um, and, uh, kind of embarrasses Elliot. Uh, at the same time, he is a very proud and strong man who, you know, you can tell, obviously he wants Elliot to be a military man kind of thing. Uh, but they do a demonstration showing off, um, their, uh, tank units, uh, basically, um, doing like a mock uh, scrimmage. Um, and, um, they do that. And then they also were going to go see, um, the, uh, the gigantic rail guns that are being, um, used as kind of like a deterrent. Uh, we don't see them just yet though. Uh, we watched the, uh, the mock skirmish. Uh, and then, um, there's a cutscene where uh, the mechanics who work on the tanks, uh, they got new orders saying that uh, they have to uh, 
re-outfit all the tanks overnight kind of thing, which was kind of weird. Um, and it was to give them the, the remote control capability, right? Yeah, basically. So um, what basically is going on here and what we're alluding to is there's one major thing that's going on right now, and it's happening in Crossbell. Uh, uh, one of the, in the capital of Crossbell, um, they're they're having kind of a summit where leaders of all the kingdoms are are going there to talk, discuss trade as well as a few other things. Um, and uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of the leaders from all these different light leaders from Arabonia, leaders from Crossbell, from surrounding countries, are going there to talk. And um, the uh, Liberation Front, the bad guys, they are planning on striking there. But we don't know exactly how. Well, um, overnight, after this new outfit has been put into place with the tanks, kind of find out they have been able to um, remotely hack into the systems and control the tanks without ever being manned. So they basically turn our tanks against us and start attacking the fortress. Um, when that goes on, they also send out a bunch of their little robot minions to come and attack individual people. And that's where we spring into action and start fighting the robots. And this uh, was after we had, we had seen hints of this, right? Because we saw one robot monster out in the wild. Yeah. During our field study at, um, Laura's hometown, we, that was one of the, the monsters we had to fight, for a uh, quest, we had found one of those. Basically, it was, it was like a, a robot. I can't remember what they call them, mechanical, or so. Uh, they they have a name for them, but I can't remember what they're called. Um, but like it, it's weird technology that that's from another country. They don't they don't most people don't know what it is. The class seven definitely didn't know what it is. Um, so we're fighting a bunch of robots. Uh, all hell's breaking loose. The tanks are shooting our own tanks. Um, all of which is basically a diversion. What the uh, Imperial Liberation Front is actually trying to do is um, get control of the uh, the two big rail guns that are pointing at Crossbell. So that way they can fire those gigantic guns at the capital and hopefully kill a lot of the leaders that are uh, over there at um, the summit. And this is where we basically get to at the very beginning of the game. Um, at the beginning of the game, it kind of gives us a flash forward of what's going on. Uh, and this is exactly where we left off, where we're at the side of the mountain. We see the guns. They're getting ready to fire. And Marine is like, oh, no, they're going to fire kind of thing. And when we reach that point, that's when we're like, what happened? So here's what happened. Uh, the guns fire. Um, but nothing happens. And that's because um, for uh, safety reasons, the first shot of those guns is a blank. 
just in case somebody ever got a hold of them that wasn't supposed to have them. So that gave us some time. So now we can reach the guns in time, stop whoever is activating them, and hopefully save a bunch of lives in Crossbell. So uh, when we reach the guns, we kind of split up. All of all of Class 7 is there, so we split up into our groups, and uh, we have to fight um, individual mercenaries, those Jaeger Corps that the, the Liberation Front has hired, as well as one of the main bosses. Um, we fight S, also known as Scarlet. Um, and the other group has to fight the other guy, and I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, it's not C and it's not G. Yeah, it's not G. G is actually in Crossbell. Uh, but we're informed by Scarlet before we fight her that um, G, Gideon, the guy we have fought multiple times, has been killed. Uh, he was killed in Crossbell whenever he tried to uh, infiltrate the, um, basically the summit tower where they're having, where the building where they're having the summit. Um, he was killed. Um, and um, he he served his cause well, kind of thing. So we're going to make sure his sacrifice is not in vain. At least that's what they say. Uh, easiest boss fight ever, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he died, he died in the background. Didn't have to fight him. Yeah, didn't even see him die. They just they didn't, Scarlet just told us he's dead. Um, so we decide um, we're going to stop Scarlet. We have a boss fight with her. Um. We beat her, but don't kill her, um, because nobody kills in this game for some friggin' reason. Um, she escapes along with the other guy, the guy with the minigun. Um, but we were able to stop the guns from firing again, the real shots on Crossbell. Um, and uh, Class 7 saves the day again. Uh, one thing we do note is that Sarah was with us during this time, and... She fucking wrecks fools. <laughs> yeah. Her her uh her S craft is fucking amazing. Um and that's the end of chapter five. Um we we were able to stop Thwart the the Imperial Liberation Front once again. Uh Gideon is supposedly dead. Uh, both C, S, and the other guy that I can't remember what his name is. Um, they escape, but, um, uh, we, um, uh, we save the day. And then we go into chapter six, uh, which, as always, begins with, uh, life at Thor's military academy. Um, and, you know, we have to do all the, the free day stuff and have our little practical exam. Um, there's a few things that we have to do here. Um, they, they keep talking about this festival that's going to be going on. Uh, the school holds a festival every year and they want all the first year students to participate, basically hold um, different events and booths and stuff like that. So it's all about, it feels a lot like persona four in that sense where they, they had to come up with an idea. Um, yeah to entertain people and they come up with the whole let's do let's form a band and perform a concert kind of thing so 
Um, but that's going on when we do our, our whole, uh, field, not field day, but, um, free day stuff. We go to the old schoolhouse again. The sixth and final level has been unlocked. We go down there. Um, and with all of the secrets. What's that now? I said with all of the biggest secrets. Yeah. And, uh, nothing happens. We, we beat the boss at the end of that, and, uh, they're like, well, that was really anticlimactic. And, uh, they're, they're like, well, I don't think we're done going into the schoolhouse. That's what Reen says. But, um, nothing really happens there. Um, we, fourth floor where we opened the door? Uh, that was the fourth floor? Yeah. So, have you been back there? Is that door still there? I don't know. I haven't went back to the fourth floor to look. It should be, right? I, I'm guessing so. What if we could open it? It's already been opened. I wonder if we could do if there's anything else in there. I mean that's the only point of interest in this place at the moment, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Because the weird thing is is that this game I wouldn't say it's open ended, but there are certain things that you can choose not to do. That is totally in the game. Um, and it's weird because it's, because everything feels scripted in this game, but then there's parts where they kind of leave you to your own devices. But because it feels scripted, you don't do most of them. Yeah. You only do what you're told to do. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's secret quests in this game that you, that you can do. Um, and you have to go out and especially like you go and talk to every NPC and shit like that to figure out what this stuff is. Um, but yeah, I don't do half of that because, well, I mean, I don't know it, you know, I'm not going by fact the entire time. So whenever I'm stuck that I do, um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I don't know. We could definitely go to another because it allows you to go to whatever floor you want to. Yeah. That always asks and I always just go to the highest numbered floor. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, I we, mean, honestly, I doubt there's anything there. Yeah, I, th- I think if this game were were more nuanced, more layered, maybe there'd be something there. But you know, I because I think you're right. This game is so scripted. If if the game wants me to go there, I think they're going to tell me to go there. And for the most part, they usually do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I know that Ring says we're we're probably not done here. Um, I'm trying to imagine if there's anything else that happens during the free day stuff, but I can't think of anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the practical exam is, uh, Reen and two other people fight against Sarah. Once again, this time we have to beat her, uh, which we do. Um, and it still goes to show you how strong she is because she fights four other groups of people right back to back and is still able to stand. At least that's what they say. So, um, and then we get where we're going next. Um, and the, uh, the next place that we go to is actually, um, going to be, um, Alyssa's hometown, which of Roar, Roar. Yeah. R O E R Roar yeah, Roar. Um, I can think of the rural juror. 
But, uh, so yeah, we're going there. Um, and, uh, and that's where obviously the Reinford company is, which is like basically the big manufacturer of heavy arms, um, metals, machinery, orbital units, all this stuff basically comes from this one big company. Uh, that's all ran by Alyssa's mother. It was after, she, after she booted grandpa. Yeah. After she kicked grandpa, who was the CEO. Um, but, uh, we, um, we go there a little differently this time. We don't use a train like we normally do. Um, a gigantic, um, airship shows up and on it is a few people. Uh, Prince Oliver is there. Um, and come to find out he was the one who helped create this airship. Uh, they say it's one of the bigger ships in Erebonia. Um, and he's been basically creating it in secret. Um, uh, and the captain of this ship is none other than Laura's father. Um, they've all been in plans for this for a long time. Uh, at least, I think he said about two years he's been wanting to make it. Um, and he wants it to serve as basically... So we all know that there's basically two factions fighting against each other in this in this country, you have the reformists and you have the, basically the Royals. So you got, let's say, um, the four great houses, which, uh, uses his, uh, father and his brother. All those people are part of the, the Royals who think a certain way. And then you have the reformists who is basically like, um, Machias, his his dad, who is uh, like the um, the governor of Erebonia, and um, uh, Prince Olivert, who even though he is noble, he feels that um, the the reformist stuff should should continue on. Uh, so you have all these you have these two factions that are basically fighting against each other in the same country. Um, each one of them are is trying to one up each other. Each one of them is trying to screw with each other, which we've been seeing throughout this entire game. Uh, and Prince Oliver has kind of had enough of that, and he wants to form his own faction, basically. And that's what he does with this airship. This airship is going to be kind of like a control, uh, a go-between between both those factions to say, we're for the people, and we're not for these two different factions because he doesn't believe that either one of these factions are correct. Both of them are kind of extreme in certain instances. And he wants, he wants to be kind of a protector of the people and using this airship that's commanded by both Royal blood and commoner blood. It's basically like the best of both worlds. Like a bridge. Yeah. So, um, he debuts his, his new airship, um, which, God, what was the name of the airship? Yeah, shit, I've been trying to remember that. It starts with a C, I think. It's not the Conquest, it's something like that. It's, it's, it's like a, you know, like the Enterprise or some shit like that. Um... I can't remember what it is, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's what he's been working on with multiple people. 
So um, we get aboard that, and he takes us to our field study destinations. And it doesn't take long to get there. Uh, what normally is a five-hour train ride to Aurora is a one-hour airship ride kind of thing. Uh, so we make it to Roar, which is like this gigantic industrial city. Um, and, uh, we, uh, run into, uh, Alyssa's, basically her home, uh, which is part of the Reinford group, the Reinford company. Um, we meet up with her mother who is strictly business, doesn't even, basically ignores her own daughter. And just talks to the entire class. And says, "Here's your, here's your assignments for the day." And she's, you know, right back to business, talking on the phone, telling people, you know, do this, do that, stuff like that. Very busy woman. Alyssa is thoroughly pissed about that. She's just like, "You're just completely ignoring me, and you know, treating us like we're, we're just another part of her company." Um, I get where Alyssa's coming from, but I can't stand that character. Yeah. I, I I was on her side for a long time, but yeah. the more I hear her talk, the more I don't like her. The biggest thing I have is that she is like the extreme of the complainer. Yeah. She's the complainer, and she is taking it to the most extreme cases, and it's so annoying uh, because she's always complaining about something. My mom or my maid who knows every fucking thing and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my God, just shut up, please. Um, and you know, we get our first tasks, uh, run around, do those. Um, after finishing those tasks, we do have a few things that we run into. Uh, the first one being, um, some of the Imperial forces are in town and they're kind of uh, there's kind of a ruckus going on with them. The imperial guys are there, and they're confronting a bunch of the uh, the railway police. Um, and uh, th- they're both kind of bickering with each other and kind of wanting to start a fight with each other. Uh, and the imperials um, bring out like a couple of tanks like armored cars out into the city. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? Bring these out into the city like this. Yeah. In the middle of the street. Yeah. And, um, it's basically a pissing contest. Um, and then all of a sudden Claire, you know, the, uh, the ice queen or the ice maiden, that's what they call the ice maiden. Uh, the leader of the, uh, of the railway police, she shows up, which we, you know, we've met her before. Uh, in fact, she's one of the iron and bloods. That the uh, the chancellor uses. Um, she shows up and is like, "Okay, everybody, stop, stop, you know, stop this pissing contest. Everybody needs to chill the fuck out." And everybody goes their own way. And um, you know, she talks to us for a little while and stuff like that, uh, and nothing much comes of it until a little bit later. Um, but that's just something to keep in your mind. Uh, and during this field study day one, we do go to this mine to find this type of ore. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's just another dungeon to go through kind of thing. Uh, but we will go back to that. Uh, we may not talk about it this episode, but we, we do go back to that mine. Um, 
but yeah, uh, after the first field study day, um, Reen actually gets a phone call from Claire. She's saying that she wants to discuss something with us in private. Um, and basically, um, she wants us to meet a, meet us at a bar to talk to us. Um, to which Reen basically sneaks out of Alyssa's home to go meet up with Claire. Um, everybody seems to want a piece of him. Say it again now. Everybody seems to want a piece of him. Even sharing the maid. Yeah. Um, She's like, oh, uh, I, it's weird because we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on because um, her, uh, Alyssa's mother originally was going to eat dinner with us and then she had to cancel um, at short notice. Uh, and Rain was like, something's up with that. You know, there's no reason why she wouldn't be able to do that. So she goes, he goes and tries to uh, get uh, some information out of the maid and the maid is constantly talking about giving him a massage and a back rub. And this I just... She's also trying to set him up with Elisa. Yeah. And I don't know. This game. I can't tell if it's a joke, like, or, or I can't tell how serious it is. I don't know. Like, your guess is as good as mine on that one because, I mean, we're talking about a game that alludes to Reen's sister may have a crush on him, and ev- and everybody seems okay with that. Yeah, again in this chapter they allude to it. They do, and I'm just like, what are we doing? Um, adding girls in the head like that. <laughs> yeah, that's so stupid. Boy, this is so dumb. Um, yeah, there's there's small things that just like happen, the inconsequential things that doesn't really have any bearing on the main story. That are just like, why are we talking about this? So anyway. Uh, Reese sneaks out to go meet with Claire at the bar. Um, and he realizes he, he feels like he's getting watched by somebody while he was on his way there. Um, did you, did you find fee? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He, he feels like somebody's watching me. And if you go back, you can find fee who has been sneaking around watching you this entire time. And she accompanies you to the bar, uh, to talk with Claire. I don't know what happens if you don't go back and look for her. Yeah, I don't think I looked for her. I think she just showed up. She just showed up? Okay. So what happened was, was like, I got a cut scene where he left the elevator and he he turned around and said, what the hell was that? And um, I immediately went back toward the elevator and that's when he saw Fee hiding behind a pillar. And he's like, I know you're there. Come on out. And she's like, yeah. and she accompanies him to the bar. Yeah, I think I just walked forward and then she popped out and followed me to the bar. Oh, okay. Um, you get two AP, extra AP if you find her from what I understand. So, um, she accompanies us to the bar. We meet up with Claire who is no longer in her uniform. She is now in like a, a evening gown enjoying a cocktail and rain is apparently inf- infatuated with her. Yeah. Um, but she has some, very important information to tell us. Basically, um, some shit's going down that uh, she's been investigating for a while, and she's basically confirmed it. The Reinford Company, Alyssa's mother, Alyssa's mother's company, uh, has basically 
been siding with the Royals, which is one of the factions, or I'll put it this way. A lot of her company, certain divisions of her company, have been siding with the Royals. And they have confirmed that the Royals have secretly been helping the Imperial Liberation Front. Basically, they're, they believe that they're using the Imperial Liberation Front to stop the reformist people. So the other faction. Um, so basically... Uh, the Royals are helping out the terrorists. The Reinford Company is supplying the Royals with weapons and stuff like that, which in turn means the company is supplying the terrorists. So we need to stop that from happening. Um, and she doesn't want this getting out to everybody because, well, it's pretty secretive information. Um, and it's, we're starting to, everything's kind of falling into place. We've, we've seen bits and pieces of it, but now we see what's going on. We're basically setting up, here's what's really going on. And this is what we're going to have to do to stop it. But we're not there just yet. Everybody's still trying to get their ducks in a row before they come out and say, you're doing this. You need to stop. We're going to stop you kind of thing. Um, she wanted, but for some reason, Claire wanted to tell Reen in class seven and I don't, I still don't know why. Maybe it comes up later. Yeah. Um, which afterwards Reen tells everybody anyway. Uh, but come to find out, um, Alyssa basically breaks it down for us is that the, the Ryford company, which is ran by her mother is split into four divisions. Um, and her mother may not even know that any of this stuff is really going on uh, because the company is so big. It's basically gotten gotten too big for its boots kind of thing. And she can't run it all. Um, so uh, the, the divisions have been split. There's four divisions. One is neutral. Uh, one is all for the royals. And one is for the... Um, the uh, reformist and they're basically supplying each other with their goods in favor of each other. Um, so we see kind of like where the line is drawn and who, who is on which side. Uh, but we don't know exactly how to approach it yet. Um, at the same time, which is the next day, the field study day two. um, we do get a cutscene showing some of the Imperial Liberation people, um, basically Scarlet and the other guy with the minigun that I can't think of his name. Uh, they're gearing up, getting ready to do something, uh, and and something to do in Roar, 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 Roar. Yeah, they, yeah, they call it definitely more with a Roar sound. Yeah, Roar, um, and uh, they're getting ready to do something, um. So uh, cut back to class seven and we start doing our little field day stuff. Yay, yay, yay. Go kill a monster. Go find my cat. Check out these guns kind of thing. Always a highway monster. Always a highway monster. Um, and when we come back from killing the highway monster, uh, when we go back into town, 
we see that we notice that there's sirens going off and there's smoke. So we run and we find a building on fire. Um, and when we, uh, Reen decides we need to get inside the building and save as many people as we can because, well, the longer we wait, the more people will die. So class seven rushes into the building, uh, and they find a bunch of people there. Uh, who are being basically trapped by this gigantic robot. Um, looks like a giant mech almost. Um, so we jump into, um, a boss battle with it. Um, fight it off. Um, obviously we know where those robots came from because guess what? The Imperial Liberation Front's been using them this entire time. Um, and then um, when we beat the boss, we escape, save all the people that are inside, um, along with the help of Claire and the railway police. Um, Claire kind of scolds us for rushing in like that and putting ourselves in danger. When Claire specifically said, don't get involved with this stuff, we just told you. She, she's basically saying, I told you this information so that way you would know it and stay out of our way. Um, and Reen's like, I don't give a damn. We saved a lot of people. And if it means saving people, I'm going to do it anyway. Which Claire's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, Claire realizes that something doesn't feel right. The Imperial, uh, uh, military police are nowhere to be found. We don't know what's going on with them. And then she realizes Oh shit, this burning building was probably a diversion. She then gets a call saying that something's going down at the mines that we were at yesterday. And we need to get down there as soon as possible. Which is where I stopped. That's as far as I got. Yep. So, um, shit's going down. Things are kind of getting in order. We're, we're finally saying, all right, we know who our bad guys are. Uh, there's more bad guys behind the scenes. Um, and, I, and I do kind of like that it's not just good guys and bad guys. You know, it's the nobles and the reformists, and they're both going to have their their reasons, their rationale for doing what they want to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's good guys and bad guys, and I'm sure some of the people we think are good guys have done some underhanded things to maintain the noble superiority, but yeah, that's, that's the thing is like it, there, there's a lot of shades of gray in this game. Um, and it's very political. That's one of the things that uh, some games that try to do that, like the whole political thing, um, turn out to be boring while some of them can be compelling. Um, and this one I feel like falls into the compelling part because see, that's the thing is like, it's never got too convoluted for me. Yeah. You know, sometimes it can get too complex, too many factions. That's one of the reasons why I never really got big into game of Thrones is because I can't I, like, there's so many fucking factions and families and houses. Like I can't, like I can't keep up with all this shit. And then they introduce more people and I'm like, I don't know who these people are, you know? And then I'll forget about these people, and all of a sudden, three episodes later, they show up. I'm like, who the fuck are these people again? You know, it's, it, but in a game like Trails of Cold Steel, they basically throw everybody out there at the beginning and say, this is everybody. You don't know who they are. 
but you will find out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, you'll know when you need to know. Yeah. So it's um, it's definitely ramping up. I I feel like I feel like I should be getting closer to a conclusion than what we are. Um, because there's only one more chapter left. And I feel like chapter six, this last chapter that we were just now talking about, I feel like that should be ramping up to the final confrontation, but it feels like just another field study day. I feel like we're going to go back to the Thor's military academy. We're going to have another free day, you know, all this stuff. And it'd be like, it's weird because it feels like a reset, you know? When you beat chapter five and you go into chapter six, it's you hit the reset button, and now we're we're back at school, and basically everything that happened in the last chapter, we're kind of just glazing over a little bit. You know, I, that happened last month, kind of thing. You know, and I'm just like, we need a little bit more continuity. Yeah, I mean, going back, I mean that's that's one of my biggest issues with this game is. The formulaic nature, you know, there's a little bit of story. There's a lot of time doing pointless activities. Yeah. And then you do something interesting and then they, they give you that, you know, the same like 20 or 30 seconds. Either somebody was watching them leave or somebody has a furtive conversation off camera. And, and, and that's supposed to be the mystery that gets me through the next free day and field studies and. I, I I agree that the political end of this is interesting. It's it's just too spread out for me. I mean I I find this game to be offensively slow. I feel like they've wasted they've wasted a good thirty hours of my time in this game. It's, it's most certainly by the numbers. That's that's the biggest thing for me. Is it, it feels like it's it's definitely going by the numbers. Um, with a lot of fluff in there. Um, when we do get those snippets of, of continuity and main story, I should say, um, I'm enjoying it because it feels, it, it's not, like I said, it's not overly complicated and it is slightly compelling. I, I like the main villain that they're showing, they're presenting, and I want to see more of him. It's just, I, so far I've seen less than an hour of him. In this yeah. game, or, or the whole team. I mean, when you've got C and you've got G and you've got S and whoever the machine gun guy is, yeah, Barrett. Maybe. I'm calling him Barrett. Barrett from now on, Barrett Wallace. Yeah. So you know, when they were together as a team, I'm like, all right, you know, here's some interesting characters. They even look different. You know, so many of the characters in this game are as formulaic as the the mission structure. You know, when you see the military railway police, it's like six of the same person, basically. So, you know, when they, when they have that team of bad guys or w- whatever, the ILF background leaders, you know, I I got excited that they were going to be the nucleus of the story. And you're right, they, they flit into the story and then they flit out. And you see them 10 hours later. Yeah. Again. That's uh, I, I think this game definitely does have some pacing issues. Um, to say the least. Um, I mean, I, overall, like, I, I feel like it's weird because how I feel about this game, 
I, I like the characters. I like the story that they're presenting. Um, I personally do like the, the, the backstory for the characters. Like there's the, like the class sevens characters come from some pretty crazy backgrounds. You know, a lot of them are kind of tragic in a way. Um, like I said, like, like we said a few episodes ago is like, it does feel a little ham fisted how they present some of it. But I kind of like that about it. You know, the the game took its time showing you this stuff um, when most games wouldn't talk about it even. Or it would be a short conversation kind of thing. Which that could be, um, it's kind of like his greatest curse and his greatest gift. um, Because there are a lot of fluff in there. Um, I think as far as field study stuff, you could have left out those side quests and just had us go kill a monster or better yet, have us just do the side quest and not worry about killing a fucking highway monster, um, to progress the story. Yeah. Uh, we'll just change up a little bit how we get those backgrounds. Like, do we have to go to everybody's hometown? Can't we have, you know, why couldn't there have been something at Thor's, where some of the family members came in, and that's how we found out the background. I mean, that's that's not even that different. You know, you have the same person having the same conversation, just change it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they sort of have, oh, we want you to see the country and know who you're going to be representing as, as a member of Thor's, but it's, to me, that was... Uh, that, that was a paper thin excuse for for the st- mission structure set up the way it was. Yeah, I mean the mission structure is one thing. I I do like the fact that we're kind of traveling across the entire country, um, just seeing everything, seeing how people live differently and stuff like that. But I mean, it's it, like you said, it is kind of paper thin in, in some instances. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. I I I'm enjoying what I'm playing of it. Um, every time I do sit down and play it, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of just get into a mindset of, okay, I'm going to do a lot of, I'm going to do two hours of, of, of nothing and, and get maybe an hour's worth of something that I care about. Um, and, and for some reason with this game, I'm okay with that. I think because I do like the combat. Um, I, I think the combat is one of the, the best things about this game. Um, and how intricate, intricate, it is, um, and how complex it can be, or how simplistic it can be. Um, I don't yeah. know. I, I like I like the upgrade system. I like the the, the pseudo materia system that they have in place. Um, and to be honest with you, like if this was a traditional RPG, I'll put it this way: if it did not have the game over screen that allowed you to weaken the enemies and retry the battle, I would still probably be stuck in like chapter five right now. Um, because I don't necessarily grind in this game so far. Um, and that's one of the endearing things I like about it is this, the fact that that like, it feels like this game was kind of made for me. As far as like difficulty goes, you know, I'm I'm a 30 year old man who has a, a full time job and don't have the time to grind levels in a Japanese role playing game. Yeah, I've only got 60 or 70 hours to put into the game without grinding. Yeah, and they're just like, okay, fine, we get it. This maybe this boss fight was a little cheap, 
We're going to give him less hit points. He's not going to hit you as hard. Try it again. And I am totally okay with that. I know there's a lot of people out there who think that's blasphemy, but you know what? I ain't got time for that. And so, you know, and I think that's a fantastic thing. Yeah. I'm okay with frustration in like a skill based game, something like Devil May Cry. Yeah. You know, I I want those bosses to be difficult or, you know, or Dark Souls. Those should be difficult bosses where you feel, you know, a sense of triumph when you beat them. This isn't that type of game. I mean, the combat's good, but, you know, the bosses aren't quote unquote important. Yeah. You know, they're there to end the dungeon, but they don't mean anything. I mean, it's basically the same boss you fight over and over again anyway for some of them. Yeah. Unless it, unless it means, like, all right, I'm killing somebody from the Liberation Front, the, yeah. the fights don't matter. You know, that, that, that's the biggest thing is like, if I'm, if I'm, if, if I beat this boss and somebody dies, then yeah, that's, that's different. Uh, but in this game, for instance, every time we fought a boss who was a named character, they escaped, you know, or you defeated them and now they're on their knees and like, you've bested me, but I'll see you later, you know, or something like that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Like for some reason, I, I normally I would look at this game and say it's an okay game. It's a typical RPG. Um, I don't know what I find so endearing about this game. It's weird. It's one of those things where I'm just like, this should be just one of those. Eh, it's not a bad game. It's it's a, it's a decent game. It's good, um, but. I don't know. I'm just I, for some reason I'm I'm enjoying it a lot more than what I thought I would. I'm right there with your first description. It's an okay game. Okay game. Yeah. I don't think it hits any highs, any exceptional highs. You know, I think the characters are okay to decent, combat's okay to decent, and that there there are moments of good interspersed with hours and hours of boring. And if it was going to be that type of ratio, those goods would have to be extremely good to to warrant wading through field study day after field study day of highway monster. I I just uh, to me the the ratios are all off here, and I, it's it's not enough to make me excited about it. Mm. It, I mean, you mentioned not grinding. To, to me, this is almost like this is almost like old school RPGs where they're, you know, you can't see the monsters on the field, and you know, all right, I just have to go down this hallway, around the corner, around the bend. You know, it should take me thirty seconds, but because I'm going to have twenty-seven random battles, I know it's going to take me two hours. <laughs> That's sort of how I feel about this game. All I have to do is task A, which is pick seven flowers. <laughs> task B, which is find a pie for somebody. <laughs> task C, which is go figure, kill a highway monster. <laughs> I should be able to do those three things in 45 minutes, but because of how slow this game is, it takes me like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it, it's not awful. But it, it 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 reminds me of what I don't like about those other RPGs. I want to be in control of my time, right? 
I would rather have grinding as an option because then I can sit down and say, all I want to do for two hours is grind. Right. Or all I want to do for two hours is progress the story. Here, I don't have that option. Everything is, is a sludge, a trudge through it. Yeah. You have to do that. You don't, you don't have any choices. You can't pick and choose what you want to do on a given day. Not really. I mean, there, there are some hidden quests, but that, you know, that's already off the track and the track is already a 70 hour track. So I don't, I don't want to get off it. Yeah. That's that. like, I, it's funny. Cause I was thinking about that the other day because I watched a lot of, um, summer games done quick, you know, AGDQ. I watch a lot of that. And just recently that finished up and they'll do RPGs like, you know, final fantasy, uh, six is a, is one of the big ones that they do. Um, and, uh, I was thinking, this game would be impossible to speed run. A speed run of Trails of Cold Steel would still be 50 hours. Yeah. I mean, even skipping cutscenes and stuff like that, um, it would take, it, well, I wouldn't say it'd be 50, it may be like 30, something like that, because I mean, this, it, there's a lot of just the fluff you have to go through. Um, I don't know, I, I, I it's weird. I, I, I get the impression that I get it. You're not digging this game. Um, I hate it. Yeah. But but your first description is perfect. It's it's an okay game. Uh, you know, there, there's good points mixed in with poor de- poor decisions. I think. Right. Not even poor decisions. I mean, they were they were conscious decisions. I don't think they were mistakes. I don't think they're problems with the game. It's just how the game is. It's just how the game is. The game is intentionally long winded. Yeah. So. My question is, we haven't beat this game. We don't know how it ends. Would you consider playing, not not for Phoenix Down or anything like that, but just in your free time, if you wanted to see it, would you ever play Trails of Coal Steel 2? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I've been thinking about that over the last week. And it really depends how the, the last chapter goes for me. Right. Because the, the game is getting better. You know, I, it, it's gone from intolerable to okay. Right. Uh, but, you know, some of that is, as you mentioned, just spending that many hours with these characters. You know, that they're, they're starting to grow on me. Right. Starting to be fleshed out. All the conversations, some of them smooth, some of them not. Like, for, for example... You know, there are a lot of ham-fisted dialogue sections, but much like the rest of the structure of the game for me, for every poor line of dialogue, I think there's a really good line of dialogue. Yeah. Like, I, I love that part when uh, when Reen had snuck out of Alyssa's place, and then she calls him later on, and she's like, you went out to meet a woman? And then in the background, Crow says something like, oh, I thought you only had eyes for me. <laughs> you know that that part that little part made me smile you know and it, i think there is there is as much good dialogue as there is bad dialogue but the good and the bad all together it's sort of uh you know it does add to the characters it flushes them out so if if the story can pick up a little bit i mean if it just ends up being political tensions i don't know that there would be quite enough for me to get invested in game two mm-hmm. but 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 some of that is just because i look at the game and 
you know, it, it doesn't, it, it's clearly not a tight game. You never describe this game as tight. Right. Um, but th- th- there's other things that come up when I'm, when I'm thinking about that. Like, what about the monsters? Where are these monsters coming from? Is there any explanation of where these monsters come from? No, they're just there. Right? Well, lots of games have monsters. I think the better games are going to have at least some kind of explanation for them. I don't, I don't think that's forthcoming in this game. Or like little, little things that, th- this isn't even a problem I have with the game, but it's just something I noticed how it seems weird to me the way, the way they're basically describing their technologies. And everything just gets the write-off. Oh, yeah, it's Orbal. It's Orbal. Everything's Orbal. Yeah. How's that motorcycle work? Don't worry about it. It's Orbal. How about your How about your radio? Don't worry about it. It's Orbal. And th- these things did not exist in a normal form beforehand, right? They didn't have radios and then enhanced them as Orbal radios. They just developed them for the first time. So it's, it's a little bit weird to me in this game because they're like, Oh yeah, we just invented this thing. It's two wheels. It's like a car, but on two wheels. We're gonna call it a motorcycle. <laughs> here's the thing: we're, we're gonna have these radio waves, and it's gonna be a radio. We just invented this thing called a radio. Crazy, huh? Yeah. And I'm just like, it is weird. Not alternate history, but like they're, they're they're showing these things, and they just happen to have all like the names that we're familiar with. And I, I don't know what it is about that, but it seems weird to me. Yeah, you know, it reminded me. I think we even mentioned it in one of the episodes, previous episodes. But uh, a, a game that has this same kind of aesthetic, um, but is is handled in such a better way is Valkyria Chronicles, which yeah. is which is like this weird alternate nineteen ten nineteen twenty. Like World War One kind of technology world where like people like it's weird because like in Trails of Cold Steel, you got a guy who uses a fucking shotgun, but then he's standing next to a guy using a fucking sword. You know, I mean that but that's that's just JRPG tropes. They've been around forever. Um but it but it it they try to squeeze it into this world as in like this technology is completely sound compl- compared to a sword. So, yeah, a shotgun is not, you know, is as powerful as a sword, and a sword is as powerful as a shotgun. When you know, obviously, if you have a shotgun and I have a sword and we have a fight, I know who's going to win that fight. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where I don't know. They try to explain it, and I don't think it needs to be explained. That's the that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like some things they just have, like they have shirts and they have shoes and they have buildings, but then this this idea of a motorcycle has to be, you know, it, it can only be explained by orbital magic. Yeah, and you know, for me, I, it's even harder to judge because this is a game that exists in a universe that has existed for a while, so. Is this orbital technology present in the other Trails games? That's a good question. I don't know. That's it, something. That's something we could ask Jay. Is the orbital technology tied in to the proliferation of monsters? Are either of those things tied into this mysterious, changing old schoolhouse dungeon? 
you know, if, if you start to pull things together to where I'm getting reveals that are interesting and exciting, I would love to see more of them and, and continue to expand this world. But if all of these things are just kind of shoved in there for no purpose other than to make the world, I guess, feel richer, then it loses something because you're not, you're not, you're not building towards anything. Yeah. And if you're going to sit me in this chair for 70 fucking hours with this game, you better be building to something. <laughs> now I know politically they're building to something, but the universe itself, I, I don't know if it's just there as a backdrop or if thoughts been put into things that yeah. exist in this world. No, you know, they, like well, you, just in six, they were talking about developing the net, the orbital net, obviously, but the internet. Yeah. And then they have orbital cell phones and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's funny because like, if you want to talk about a game that, that does that well and actually tries to explain it, it'd be final fantasy seven where everything runs off of, Materia. Well, where do you get materia? Well, Shinra has been creating materia and shit like that. Where do they get all this power from? They get it from the life stream, which surrounds the planet they're on. And that comes into play later on. The planet basically, they're sucking the life stream out of the planet to make basically engines and shit like that. And so... You know, it, it comes into play later on. The, the the Earth decides, well, we're gonna have to fight against you sucking the life stream out of me. So we, you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, um, they explain that. that that big of a decision, but I, I like the way there that your your world is tied in with your bad guys, is tied in with your technology. You know, it, it makes me think that there's been thought put into it. Yeah, that's one of the things that um. That like I, why I still think Final Fantasy VII stands the test of time. It, like it may not look good by by today's standards, obviously, but that story was so fu- so fucking tight. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the one of the craziest things ever is like in 1997 when that game came out, you were technically playing a bad guy. You and your band of avalanche buddies were labeled fucking terrorists. You know? I mean, you were going around bombing power plants. You know? And and that's like, in 97, dude, that was fucking taboo as shit. You know? I mean, nowadays, people, we go crazy leaps and bounds telling a story and shit like that. But, I mean, back then, you know, I was like, like, that's fucking crazy, you know? You're playing as a terrorist bombing, you know, city-wide places and stuff. I mean, it, it was weird. But, yeah, no, nah, that, that's that's a whole other story. Final Fantasy VII is fucking amazing, and I don't care what anybody says. Everybody, Everybody's like, ah, Final Fantasy VII is like, that's the cliched one that everybody wants to go to. There's a reason why everybody loves Seven. It's because it's a fucking good game. You know? It, yeah, and that one's long-winded, too. Very long-winded. You learn the backstory of everybody in that game. Every party member. You know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's more quirky than this game, though. It's got it's more interesting than this game. You know, uh, yeah. he's not cross-dressing. That's true. It's very true. I was going to say there's no talking cat, but that's not true. <laughs> there is a talking cat, and you're right. 
It's not riding a gigantic stuffed animal, though. Yeah. So, so I mean, is this game going to explain what it is about highways? Why Why is that where the monsters congregate? <laughs> what is it about these magical highways that are drawing the monsters to them? You, the, you, it's like I was going to say it earlier because you were like, why are they explaining where these monsters come from? And I was like, dude, stop acting like you want to play The Witcher. Because <laughs> The Witcher explains in detail where these fuckers came from. <laughs> But uh, it's, I don't know. It's it's just it, it it this game is very cliched as far as Japanese role playing game tropes go. It is, you know. Yeah, and again, I don't need the the big. You know, it doesn't need to be a world ending background story. It doesn't always have to be a world eating monster. But I I just want to know that there's been thought put into this stuff. You know, it, if it's going to be horrible, like it's got to that's got to build to something. I just I don't want that to be just a write off. Oh, any, any technology we can't explain. Oh, it's called horrible. It's got waves. Done. Yeah, that that is a good question that you bring up. Is I'm wondering if this horrible technology was mentioned in any of the previous games, um, like Trails of the Sky and stuff like that. Because if it exists there, then then I guess that. Then I guess I don't care as much that it's not explained in this game because you know it exists in the world, and then that's my fault for not, not, not knowing the world well enough. Although I would argue that if you're going to start a whole new series of games, you might want to explain some of that. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like is orbital technology like a new technology that came out in like the past ten years? Like when did Trails of in the Sky, you know, end? Obviously, Prince Oliver was in that game. He was a party member, I think. So that means. And Prince Oliver's maybe twenty six, if that. So the Reinford co- Company must have been around making some of this stuff. Yeah, probably. So I don't know. That, that's a good question. That's a question we need to ask Jay. Hopefully, he'll write in and stuff like that. So, uh, Jay, get on that. Let me know. Um, we do have an email. I want to read that off before we end the show. Uh, let me take a look here. Dun, 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 dun. I had it up. And then I lost it. You can hear my phone in the background. Here we go. Uh, this is uh, an email comes from from John. It says uh, Trails of Coal Still Still Fighting My Way Through. Let's see here. It says just finished the third floor of the old school house. Although I enjoy the dungeon type quest, the other the others are getting a bit old. Better keep doing them, though, because it seems like I need all the help I can get. My party has been wiped out more than once. Didn't do well on the midterm. Hope that doesn't affect me too much. All I can say is I'm glad I'm long done with school in real life. Yeah, you and me both. Sounds like uh, the game will pick up soon. I'll likely pick up Part 2 when it comes out. Got out of JRPGs temporarily to play Dungeon Siege 3 and start Diablo 3, but it's nice to play something more bright and cheerful, even if it does seem to involve a group of kids getting ready to fight in a war. Uh, the story may not be the high point, but the battle system is decent, and I'm enjoying the art and music. Have fun, John. Uh, so thank you for that email, John. Uh, that was God, that was July 10th when he sent that, so it's been a little while. Um but yeah, no, it's it definitely picks up, but it takes a long time to do it. That's um, that's the only take I can I can take. So 
Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I, I don't want so much of the game to be dependent on just how it ends or how this chapter, this last chapter plays out. But for me, I think it's going to... My interest in game two really depends on what happens in the next ten hours. Well, if... I, I've I've believed Jay multiple times, and Jay says that this game ends on a major cliffhanger uh, that made that he that he says will make you like anticipate playing the second game. So we'll see. I don't know if there's some treachery afoot. Um, my guess is, and this is just my wild guess. I don't even know. Um. C, the main villain, the leader of the Liberation Front, is probably going to turn out to be either Reen's old master from the Eight Leaves Eight Leaves School, or his father. Mm. That those are my guesses. I have a feeling C is most certainly knows Reen, and Reen knows him. That's my guess. Well, who do we know whose name starts with C? Do we know any characters? Not that I know of. Yeah, I need to look at a list of characters. I wonder. I wonder if there are, is anybody that I I don't know. I I have a fe- I have a feeling. I'm not certain. I have a feeling we will. It will be revealed who C actually is. I don't think C is going to be defeated or killed at the end of this game. I agree. Um, but I think it will be revealed who he is, and I think that will be the big cliffhanger. The big cliffhanger is going to be who C really is. Are we going to learn? Do you think what's up with the schoolhouse? I think we'll figure that out. Yeah. In this game. I think we'll figure that out in this game. I, ha- I have a feeling it has something to do with awakening Reen to his feral power, whatever it is. And I, I don't know anything about game two. Is it still take place at Thor's? I'm guessing so. I, I have not looked at any footage of the second game. I have seen the box art for the second game, and it shows Reen and a few other people from Class 7, and they look like they're slightly older. So it may take place at Thor's, and it's the second year of them being there. Okay. So I don't know, but it, but like, like I said, it does look like Reen and I think I think Elliot's also on the cover, and they look slightly older. So maybe like eighteen, nineteen years old, something like that. So I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go, but we will find out because. The next episode, come hell or high water, is going to be the final episode of Trails of Cold Steel. Yep. Um, I'm going to do my damnedest to beat this game. So, uh, there's only one more chapter left. We got to finish chapter six. Hopefully, that won't be more like eight more hours. I don't think it will be. <laughs> but this game has surprised me before. Um, but that's going to be it for us. I do appreciate everybody listening. If you'd like to send us an email, it is drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can talk to us about Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, we're going to be doing Rogue Galaxy next, so you can definitely talk to us about that as well. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. 
And Matt is at R-E-M-G-S. The podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, there is one other thing. This, 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 this episode is going to go live, uh, uh, Friday. Starting Monday, check out ZTGD.com. Uh, me and Ken, the editor in chief of the website, have started a new video series, uh, called Let's Play with Each Other. And um, we are Ken is playing through Soma, the horror game made by uh, the guys that made Amnesia, and I am watching him play that. And I think it is possibly some of the funniest shit you'll ever see. If you want to hear me scream and yell, watch that video series. I think it's actually really entertaining. So definitely give that a shot. It's it's going to be on YouTube. It'll also be on ztg.com. Uh, check that out. I'm going to do a little promotion there. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week uh, to finish up this game. Um, I hope everybody has a great weekend. But until then, I'm Drew. And we're out of here. I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, we will be back with the conclusion of The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. 